coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, and a happy Monday to you. Days like today, I just kicked myself. Ron, why didn't you just start a show or podcast discussing sports? Follow your Atlanta teams and UGA and throw in some Georgia Tech if you have to. If you have to. Can you tell I'm a Georgia Bulldog guy? <laughs> and instead, I, I come to you on Monday with so much to discuss, with so much discord to talk about. And, and I have to start once again with the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. Why? Because it seems as if the proponents from the Atlanta Police Foundation to Attorney General Chris Carr, Governor Brian Kemp, Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens, they're all finally now sort of realizing that they need to go on a PR offensive because it, it seems as if, I, I th- at least my opinion, it seems apparent to them finally that this is going to come down to votes and not city council votes that can be easily or behind the scenes manipulated or leaned on, nuanced and nudged. And there seems to be some concern, I think, again, from from that camp that, as I've said many, many times on this show, they've lost the narrative. So some of the headlines that came from over the weekend included Mayor Dickens appearing on the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia podcast with Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, and uh, former GPB Georgia public broadcasting host Bill Nygut. Uh, Greg Bluestein starts the podcast interview with this question and the answer from Andre Dickens. Again, just the first thing that makes you go, oh. Thank you so much for joining us. And first up, recently, as of, as of just a few days ago, we learned that there could be legislation to bypass all these legal proceedings and just put the question of whether or not we should have this public safety complex on the ballot for voters to directly cast their ballots on. Uh, would you support a referendum on this? Yeah, so it's important to know who puts what on the ballot. Um, this is important because if the city council decides that they want to put a referendum on public safety on the ballot, that is different than the process that's already taking place, which is a 15% required petition to put it on the ballot. So one is the people are saying with the 15% um, signatures on a petition that that sends us to uh, a referendum. That's different. That's a clear, transparent process that actually has already begun. And the petitioners have already started that. And we're down the path on that process. And it's been going, you know, as designed. But if the city council says, prematurely that we don't want to see the results of that process that's been going on for 12 weeks or so. We want to now just jump right to the referendum. That then is a different play, which sends a different message to law enforcement and firefighters. Public safety looks at that, would look at that differently. I can see a, a different view of the morale of public safety first responders. Consider it this way. Two different Elected city councils uh, were, were elected by the city of Atlanta, 
right, under Mayor Bottoms and then now with me, two distinctive city councils had a veto-proof supermajority vote in favor of the Public Safety Training Center. So the people of Atlanta voted for these folks way back in 17 and then in 21 voted in favor of the Public Safety Training Center by a supermajority, veto-proof. Then in 2023, a few months ago with me, they voted for it. 11 votes, which is huge. So then a petition comes and says, we want to change that. Well, that's the process. The petition is the process. Council already made a decision. Um, and so I think that that would be, um, you know, premature of the city council to not wait on the results of the counting of the vote, accounting uh, of the signatures in the petition. Okay. First of all, the logic's a little hard to follow because what the mayor saying on the one hand is, we had two different sets of city councils vote in a supermajority for the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. But don't we all know that a lot of stuff goes unnoticed, unmentioned, uncam- uncampaigned for? Who campaigned on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility? Do you, do you remember seeing that in campaign ads or literature? Of course not. They give you... Generalized terms about safety and community and security and blah, 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 blah. Nowhere did anybody run on, and we're going to build this $100 million public safety training facility outside city limits in DeKalb County where those voters and residents who live nearby will have no say in it. And there's going to be this whole shady purchase and lease land and lease back deal and... Yeah, see, that that didn't happen. So to run on the cover of, well, the citizens voted for the city council, so they, in fact, did have a say in this, is not only inaccurate, Mr. Mayor, it's disingenuous. And also, while you're the mayor of the city that has decided to, as the judge in the case last week, the appeals process last week said, as the mayor of the city that confused this entire situation from the jump with bans on who can actually gather the signatures has to be an Atlanta city resident only. Couldn't be a DeKalb County resident who lived outside city limits, where, by the way, the facility's being built, who gathered these signatures. For the mayor to now, having just seconds ago leaned on city council's actions to say, well, no, I think city council should wait on the process that we're, by the way, delaying because... We filed this appeal, and the appeals process now has us all waiting to see if the petitions that we've even received can even be counted. It's just, dude, it just smacks of disingenuousness. I'm kind of blown away at watching as what I thought was a promising political career for a man in his first term as mayor. I really thought all this, like, this guy's done a pretty good job. This one thing is going to be, my opinion, what cost him re-election and any ascendancy beside that. And I got to tell you, I read so much from so many people who know well more about Atlanta politics and Atlanta political history on social media accounts that are just all scratching their head wondering, who has this man made a deal with? Who behind the scenes is the mayor working for and what sort of dark shadowy influences are leaning on others on city council to make sure that this all goes the way it needs to wink wink 
air quotes, needs to. There was uh, one tweet I saw from Austin L. Ray. He sparked the How I'd Fix Atlanta essay series. I, I thought this tweet sort of summed up what I think a lot of people are wondering. This uh, nearly 24 hours ago. Truly can't wait to find out what Andre Dickens traded for defending Cop City because it's got to be huge. Dude obviously has no other choice if he's willing to lie about Georgia's most beloved Dems and completely torpedo his mayoral administration. Sheesh, the deal has got to be wild. He's not the only person who thinks like this, though. And we'll get to the Dems that allegedly, seemingly, sort of, were thrown under the bus by Mayor Andre Dickens in this podcast. I'll play you that audio in a little bit. Again, Austin's not the only one saying this, uh, though. Uh, a friend of the show, Eric Tusink of the Williams Tusink firm, they handle real estate law, business law, government affairs. He tweets something very similar. He says, a vote seems like a way for Mayor Dickens to get out of the political quagmire he is in. So true. So what do we think Governor Kemp is holding over his head to make him continue to cap so hard for the police training facility? Is it A, Buckhead City 2.0, B, the state airport takeover? Y'all remember that was, the, that was the threat a few years back, right? The state was going to take over the airport. Or C, both. Greg Bluston at the AJC went back to ask the mayor immediately, wait a minute, is this something that if it came to your desk, you would veto? Be clear, Mayor, you're against that idea and you, would you veto it if it passed? I'm hoping that they don't even bring it up. I don't think that it will be wise for the city council to produce legislation on this, given that if they go through a few cycles of city council, you'd be at the October vote, you know, petition verification process anyway. So, they, uh, you know, think about it. The ballot is way in March. They've missed the deadline to get on the ballot in November. Right. And so if. This is going to happen in March. Why would council jump the gun and prematurely go for a referendum? We might as well wait for this petition process to play out. Okay, there might be some logic to that. However, again, you're trying to regain the narrative. Are you not, Mr. Mayor? It seems like at least Atlanta City Council, at least some on Atlanta City Council are saying, okay, you know what? We, we, we sort of rushed through this entire process without a whole lot of information, without a whole lot of public input. No, actually, that's not true. They got a whole lot of public input. They just chose to ignore it. And they're seeing now that, oh my God, We've got 20% of the voters in this city, allegedly, who have signed a petition saying they actually want a vote on it for themselves. It's almost as if some of these on city council, some of these folks on city council say, yeah, you know what? We may should not have just jammed this through. We should have maybe, I don't know, listened to the overwhelming public input that came. I mean, they had people sign up to speak and they had an opportunity to see who it was that was signing up to speak. And lo and behold, they found out, well, there's a lot of local folks who aren't crazy about this. And now that they've put signatures on documents and they're realizing uh, that's 116,000 of the city's 500,000 plus residents, that's a big chunk of voters. We might ought to, I don't know, find a way out for ourselves. Mr. Mayor, you're being given an opportunity to find a way out yourself. And if the public gets to vote on it and they say no, you can just go back to the APF or whoever else is leaning on you and go, listen, we tried. We tried to do this and the people have spoken. 
Okay, look, there are a lot more headlines that came from this interview, and we'll go through a little bit of it more piece by piece as the show continues. You're listening to The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday. On Monday, we're both the University of Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Falcons are undefeated and have played meaningful football games. I mean, we could have said that in August, too. No, they've actually played meaningful. Georgia won a meaningful game Saturday against South Carolina, although I was sweating that one. Woo, South Carolina makes me sweat sometimes, man. Mm, that was a tough game. Georgia made the comeback. The Falcons, I mean, that was a, a game that sort of reminded me of the uh, Mike Smith era when he was the coach of the Falcons when uh, Matt Ryan was a young quarterback and the defense – actually, you know what? I can't even say that. The defense was actually really good yesterday. They held Green Bay to less than 300 yards of total. You know what? You didn't come here to listen to me talk sports. I'm just saying – it's nice to come in on a Monday and my teams are undefeated and relevant and people are talking about them in a positive manner. Unfortunately, you came here to listen to me talk politics and Cop City is the hot potato of the year. And Mayor Andre Dickens, I, I personally don't believe, did himself any favors with his interview uh, alongside Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, and Bill Nygut on the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia podcast. Now, the AJC, parent company Cox, Enterprises... A donor, uh, in fact, I think the largest, is it not the largest donor? One of the largest, if not the largest, uh, monetary donor to the Atlanta Police Foundation. So you have to take what the AJC does when they cover this with a bit of skepticism. But I have to be honest, uh, Greg and Patricia, uh, they so far have done a credible job. In fact, <laughs> I start the next segment by uh, playing a little bit of uh, a Patricia Murphy question, but also... Mayor Andre Dickens, when he kind of comically says. So that's what I say. I'm, I'm looking forward to what's inside of the boxes. Really? Let's talk about that petition process. <laughs> you said that it's um, uh, moving forward, uh, that it's been begun, but it's also been um, tied up in court to be counted. Um, the city's attorneys are working, um, it seems from our point of view, um, perhaps to question whether those are valid or not. Tell us exactly mm. what the city's position is on those signatures, um, why it's in court, and uh, where you see this going. Yeah, so th I'm glad you asked that because I definitely support a clear, open, transparent, you know, process. One that's fair and democratic and definitely on that that's legal. Um, and what happens is this process was moving along. Uh, individuals came to the clerk. And by the way, the clerk does not report to the mayor. The clerk reports to the city council. So the clerk is a, you know, a, a independent agent of me. But they go to the clerk. The clerk gave them petition forms based on what they wanted to have on the form. The clerk printed out copies for them, gave them the copies. They circulated the copies around and tried to get signatures from people. That's moving forward. But then they, the opposition, sued the city. The city did not sue anyone. The city, who would we sue? We don't know these, you know, who is the individuals, right? Mm -hmm. So this, they, they sued the city. And so in that lawsuit, the city had to respond. And when the city responded, now the courts have said they rule in the city's favor. So had they not issued a lawsuit, this would have had a 60 day term, August 21st. They would have turned in how many other signatures they had and counting would have ensued that, you know, shortly thereafter. However, you know, collecting the boxes and then sending it off to a third party to scan them and count them. But because hold they up, hold up, hold up. Let's stop right there. From the AP last week, 
On June 21st, 2023, instead of approving a referendum petition, it had no intention to honor, regardless of the number of signatures obtained from city residents, the city could have taken the position it later espoused in this lawsuit and disapproved the petition as unauthorized under Georgia law. That's from U.S. District Judge Mark Cohen, again, just last week. Because they sued. They sued the city and the city gave a response. And now the courts are saying the 11th Circuit Court says we got to put a stay on this. And so those sign those petitions are invalid right now because they were received after August 21st. Uh, they were received, I think, on September 11th. Again, none of this has anything to do with me. I don't count signatures and I'm not in the legal process. Mm -hmm. What what we were doing was moving forward with um, uh, letting the process play out. And so now we're in a, a wait and see for what the courts will say after this stay. So I think this is a October time frame for the courts to make a ruling on, um, you know, the validity of signatures coming after that August 21st date. Um, I mean, I tell you from my personal opinion, I am looking forward to seeing what's in the boxes. I you know, these folks have collected signatures. I, you know, we got a half million residents, 500,000 residents in Atlanta. Yeah, I want to know how many, you know, support this. Earlier in this interview, he didn't want the city council to introduce a measure to put the public safety training facility on a ballot. For November, we believe it's too late. He believes it's too late. And while he didn't necessarily say he would veto the bill if city council voted to approve a measure to put it on the March ballot, he did say earlier in this very interview, which we just played last segment, that he doesn't think city council should push that through. But he wants to see how many people are behind the public safety training facility at the same time. Huh? Patricia Murphy then asked the mayor, so what's the mindset, both with yourself and perhaps with law enforcement, to see that many signatures indicating that they want to vote on the public safety training facility. Yeah, I don't know what's in the box. Someone has said 116,000. None of us know what's actually in those, I don't know, 16 to 18 boxes. Um, 58,000 is the required number to get to 15%. Um, and so they, you know, they say they have 116,000. That's double. That's exactly two times the 58,000. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's in the boxes. I'm looking forward to the verification process carrying out the clerk and a series of lawyers, Democratic uh, lawyers that have been around petition processes in other states and they have been around elections in Chicago, New York and other places where they do petitions. Uh, this is first for Atlanta. We have not had a petition process ever. Um, and so uh, the lawyers got together and figured out those processes. And then um, in consultation with folks like Stacey Abrams and Warnock and Ossoff said, hey, we need a cure process because if they put their signatures in there and they don't match, no, we're not doing exact match that's not a, a goal of ours to make sure that somebody i mean somebody's signature might have changed over the years somebody's a you know maiden name what have you all those things are fair game and so we've come up you know with you know the, the clerk and the lawyers have come up with a process to verify signatures that is legal and um if a hundred and sixteen thousand signatures come in and all of them are valid then you you know resounding message um that's different than if, you know, they're invalid signatures, duplicates, 
wrong names, people that are not eligible to vote, etc. So, um, again, I look forward to see what's in the box. But as you asked the question about how does that feel, um, being in the mayor's seat or the chief of police or the chief of fire um, seat, we talk to public safety people most, you know, more than probably most people. Um, and the morale will be affected if the city council Come was on. to put it on the ballot Come directly Come on. after voting for it, after saying you're supportive of us, after saying, you know, you told us we needed more training. We need more training in anti-bias. We need more training in de-escalation techniques. We need more community-based policing strategies. We all said that's what we needed. Even in 2020, myself as a city council member, very, uh, you know, advocating after George Floyd and Rayshard Brooks, after a number of, of, of incidents occurred, I'm saying we need more training. Everybody said that. So here we are about to do this and the officers are very the officers and fire rescue and e911 and ems are like we're training in horrible conditions hang on if we're training in horrible conditions who let those conditions become horrible conditions and what is to keep us from spending a hundred million dollars more for a city maintained facility that could eventually just fall into the same horrible conditions under the same city you've got more on the ron show america one radio america one radio.com or wherever you podcast after the break Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. All right, so here we are today kind of going over the interview that Mayor Andre Dickens gave to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia podcast. And he touched on something that I uh, sort of push back against, the, the, the morale argument. But he's not the only one that did that. The uh, Atlanta Police Chief Darren Sheerbaum and James Skip McLemore also took to the opinion page of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution over the weekend, begging us not to politicize their public safety training facility. Don't politicize it. I, I'm telling you, it, as I said when the show started today, it really feels as if finally you're starting to see some evidence that those who are in favor of Top City, the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility, they're starting to realize, uh-oh, we've lost the narrative. As I've been saying for months now, they have been fumbling the narrative from the jump. Uh, in this uh, op-ed, uh, and I don't know who, who brought this up, again, this was written by the police and fire chief, uh, they talk about how morale and recruitment is so important. Um, and, and I just, I, I question like, is, is the training facility so important? It's almost as if like when you watch, if you're, if you're like me, you follow college football, is the indoor practice facility so important to college football recruiting? I mean, it might well be, but we're talking about college kids here. Are, are we of the same mindset that we have to spoil and coddle uh, our police and firemen, our dispatchers, our first responders with, uh, these elaborate and lavish facilities, well, obviously these aren't going to be quite the same as the indoor practice facilities that our college athletes uh, are, are cared for in. But this piece in the uh, in the opinion piece in the AJC, I will share this in today's show notes at ronchoytl.com, as well as a link to the uh, political uh, Politically Georgia podcast. Again, Greg and Patricia, Bill Nye did a great job with that. Uh, anyway, this, this uh, piece about morale in the opinion piece at the AJC, it would have a direct impact on our recruitment and retention efforts. Neighboring communities such as Cobb and Gwinnett counties are investing in their own state-of-the-art training centers, and Henry County just announced a 40-acre, 70-plus million-dollar training facility. First of all, I have to tell you, I don't think that's the argument they think it is, that 
we have all these neighboring communities also developing their own public safety training facilities. It's not that Atlanta, A, doesn't already have one, uh, or that, by the way, B, Fulton County also wants to build one at a much less expensive rate. And oh, by the way, in Fulton County, there's an idea. But then they brought up Henry County. Here's the problem. Uh, According to uh, mhfnews.org, in Henry County, the new campus will be located on, get this, county-owned property. That county-owned property, by the way, presently in use as Cotton Fields Golf Course. County staff conveyed at a May town hall meeting the plan to close the course this October. Further updates about the course closure have not been shared. A golf course. They're taking a golf course, a golf course, and with, with no historical value to it whatsoever, and I'm sure any damage that's already been done ecologically because of that existence of a golf course has already been done, so you can't do much worse. There are, these, these, are, these are not analogous to the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility, which is, by the way, to review, not inside city limits and <laughs> not even in Fulton County. Much of Atlanta, most of Atlanta is Fulton County. It's it's a piece of property that somebody purchased, and and that's the other thing. It's like uh, the city purchased, APF is leasing, the city's going to, and there's all this money. It's so murky the way this is all playing out, right? It's so cut and dried with Henry County, Henry County, county-owned land, old golf course. Who the hell's going to miss that? Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. Well, it's it's not in city limits. The, the land had to be purchased and then leased back. And then there's uh, all these uh, corporate donors who want to contribute, but also we need taxpayer money to put a facility outside city limits. <laughs> and oh, by the way, don't let the residents who live nearby this project that we're building have any say-so input or even be allowed to carry a petition around so that Taxpaying citizens of the jurisdiction that's going to build this thing can sign it and have a say, which is why we have, how many was it, Mr. Mayor? 16 boxes sitting in a closet that he's dying to find out what's in it, except, of course, we've got to go through the legal wranglings, all because the city's putting us through the legal hoops in the first place. I have to say, though, this this notion that morale is going to suffer... Let me put it this way. I worked for a radio company that had lousy on-air studios. We had lousy <laughs> studios. Uh, I mean, just terrible. And I, I remember when I, I was being interviewed for the job to manage a radio station in this facility, the general manager was telling me, now listen, the facilities aren't that... I've been there before, I know. It's okay. It's okay. Because I was moving to a beachside community. It really was. The money was fine. It wasn't great, but it was fine. And oh, by the way, I was moving to a beachside community with a lot of opportunity to make income on the side and continue to grow in my craft. And I was excited. I wanted to get back closer to my family. That really mattered because I was living in Louisiana. My family was in Augusta, Georgia, the uh, South Carolina, uh, Myrtle Beach. It was Myrtle Beach. Four hours from my family, just a short drive. Trust me, I had all the motivation I needed. I didn't need to worry about the facilities. Would I have liked better facilities? Yes. Would it have made my morale any better? I mean, it would have made my job a little easier for sure, but would it have changed my morale? I don't really know that that... I mean, sure, it's frustrating when things don't work, but is a public safety training facility going to make squad cars work better? Will it enable me to call 911 
and get somebody on the phone right away. Did you hear me talk about this a couple weeks ago? We had a fire alarm just go off in the building. And, you know, I get it. It's 2023. Most fire alarms in a major city, uh, you know, in a major building are directly tied to dispatch already. But this had been going on for half an hour. (laughs) My cats are literally crawling into the couch because the noise was just incredibly loud. And we, we never saw a fire engines show up and so they're the ones that you know have the key to, to stop the alarm anyway i finally 15 20 minutes in called 911 and i was put on hold <laughs> it was like, like by the automated so is this new public safety training facility going to um hire more dispatchers is it going to make the job so posh not just dispatchers but first responders fire folks uh police officers is it going to make the job so uh, valuable, so coveted that folks are going to want to come be an Atlanta police officer or fireman or dispatcher or first responder? I uh, and and can we not again coordinate with Fulton County and do something? I don't know that saves both the city and the county some money. And oh, by the way, maybe just an idea: be inside city limits and not in an area of uh, a river watershed that's already suffered mightily because of pollutants and disrepair. Speaking of disrepair, the facilities this city apparently has now in utter disrepair and they have to be replaced. Well, who's going to be in control of this place? The same people that let the other place get into disrepair. I'm also a little oogie about this line in this op-ed that the police and fire chief co-wrote. Although two separate city councils already have overwhelmingly voted in favor of the center by veto-proof majorities. Did you hear the mayor say that too? It's like they're all in sync on the same verbiage. It is understandable that individual council members may have differing views about the training center, but a ballot action by city council would politicize the role of first responders within the walls of city hall. While we wear uniforms of service and are not looking at who or how anyone votes, This action would have unfortunate consequences that should not be taken lightly. Sorry, the hell does that mean? And I want to go back to Mayor Dickens name-dropping Raphael Warnock, Senator Ossoff, both of them senators, by the way, Senator Warnock, Senator Ossoff, and Stacey Abrams. Warnock, of course, has come out and kind of questioned the verification process. Stacey Abrams actually supports the referendum, Mr. Mayor. The rarely used citizen referendum is designed for precisely this type of fraud issue, she says. You know where I'm reading this, by the way? The Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Okay, so I'm going to give them a little bit of credit for covering this issue in a fair manner. And by the way, this interview, again, I'll share it uh, in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. I thought, rather well done, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy. I've never really had any issue with, with, with the work that they do. Uh, question Bill Torpy from the editorial board on this very issue. But by and large, Patricia Murphy, Greg Bluestein, they have done a fantastic job covering this story. And we'll be doing more of that when we come back here on The Ron Show. The American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of The Ron Show for Monday. I want to try and get as much more of this interview with... Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. This from last week's Politically Georgia podcast on September 16th. Let's pick up right where we left off. Mayor, it it seems that at various stages in this standoff, 
that optics have worked against uh, supporters well, of, of the training center and, and, yes. and your uh, interest in making sure the training center gets built. And, and the most recent example was when the city clerk's office, and as you point out, they're outside of your control, essentially said, we are not counting these petitions because they didn't meet the deadline. As you can imagine, that inflamed the tensions the outrage of the people who were out all summer in the hot weather trying to collect these uh, petitions. Now, Robbie Ash modified that, saying we have these confusing court rulings to deal with. Once that's settled, we'll see about counting the ballots that came in after that uh, deadline. But the optics of this just plain feel wrong. Do, do you agree with that? For the clerk to say we're not going to count these petitions. Yeah, so I want to um, be very clear about that there was a process that was not interrupted, was not challenged, was not usurped. Um, the petition process was taking place and then the city got sued. The city got sued because the city put parameters in place that didn't make sense. Like, why is it illegal for someone who is not a city resident, but might be, I don't know, a DeKalb County resident, the county where the facility is going to be built, but outside city limits, why would it be illegal for a resident of the county the facility is going in to hold the clipboard and hand it to a citizen to sign? That was asinine, and it made no sense. And again, as, as, as I read earlier in the piece, last week, uh, a federal court judge said that very same thing. He said... The city had no intention of adhering to a petition that they didn't believe was legal in the first place. And then why set parameters that didn't make any sense? Why set parameters? This is the city's fault and they're, they're crying foul. Oh, well, they got mad because we, we made some illogical rules and insisted they adhere to them. And then when they challenged them, well, that just changed everything. Okay, I'll let the mayor answer. Right. The individuals took a gamble. They said that we can go out here and get more time or change the way this game is played. And they sued the city. And then the court ruled in the city's favor. Now they took a gamble and didn't turn in their petitions on August 21st when they should have. But here we are receiving late signatures. The, the clerk has made a decision that she does not want to be on the wrong side of the federal court system. First of all, they weren't turned in late. Remember, and it keeps leaving out the part of the federal court case that they actually, the city actually lost, that the anti-cop city folks won. He keeps leaving that part out. They were given that two-week extension, not just because they pulled it out of thin air or from their ass. They actually had that extended time given to them. So she is waiting for more guidance from the federal court, from the 11th Circuit. So what it may feel like we is one way, but what legal actuality is, is another way. I stated on here maybe three times already. I'm very interested in what's in those boxes. Mm -hmm. I want to count. I want to see the count. I want to know. And I want our public to know, which is why every signature is going to be posted online so you can see this is how this went uh this is you know how many votes you can see it uh, very transparent very more transparent than any other city in the nation but and do so, you believe no 
petitions should be counted after that original deadline, if they came in after that original deadline? Do you believe that's the correct approach to discount all of those signatures that came in after the deadline? So I'm going to give my answer, but I want to be very clear. Individuals that disagree with a decision of a supermajority of the city council elected by this city twice <laughs> had a process that they chose to use, which is the petition process. Actually, they chose to showing up to city council and speaking to that supermajority council in the first place. And the numbers were overwhelming in the city council and you ignored them, sir. And then they tried another thing on top of the petition process. And now they're in a legal challenge because the city uh, process said they had to have it in by August 21st, which was 60 days from the day they started. They did not follow that process when they didn't turn it in on time. Okay, but again, remember, they actually won a court case that granted them extra time and some extra hands from folks who lived in DeKalb County to hold the clipboards and hand them out to citizens of the city to sign. He keeps leaving that part out, man. Why are you doing that, Mr. Mayor? Right. So no matter what, you can set a precedent now that people can turn in things late and still be able to receive the same um, legal authority as if people turn it in on time. Think about all the things we have that there's deadlines to, from RFPs to uh, permits to everything else that happens in the city. So the circuit court is going to decide whether or not you can receive these late petitions or not. Again, I'm very interested in it. I would like for that to happen, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to sit here and go on the opposite end of the circuit court, given the fact that individuals that disagree with the decision of the city council and myself had a legal authority to go through 60 days of collecting petitions and turn them in. We sat here day after day thinking that those petitions were going to come in. They never showed up. You guys were anticipating it. They never showed up. And so here we are now receiving them on September 11th. And so that makes it a challenging thing because the courts said these are late. And so the clerk is going to make a quality decision based on the law. And um, I hope that the city council does as well. Hold on. The other thing is this. There are actually boxes dated correctly that could, I don't know, be getting verified while we speak. Why, Mr. Mayor, would the city clerk's office not start working on verifying those signatures? Because what if, I don't know, what if there are enough from the earlier deadline? I mean, they did get double the number of signatures, so it would be safe to assume that they might actually have more than enough to begin with. But let's let this uh, conversation continue. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You indicated that um, Stacey Abrams, that Senators Warnock and Ossoff helped come up with the the vetting process, the strategy in terms of how you guys are going to look at the um, these ballots, right? Yeah, they weighed in on it. I mean, like it originally, imagine this: a city has never done a petition mm-hmm. process. So what was in code was collect these signatures and verify them. That's all it said to make sure they vote. Well, that could. How do you do that? We don't have a vote counting machine here because we're not that's not what we do. We don't count signatures. So what do we do? We, we got to find out, okay, how do we do this? So in trying to establish a process, we found some, you know, national lawyers on, a, on you know, petitions and signatures and all this other kind of stuff to kind of come up with a process. We put out our, you know, the, 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 the first version of what the process would be. Uh, the clerk said, this is what they've collected so far. Folks said, hey, we got to have a cure. Oh, man. Okay. How do you do a cure? Well, here's how they do it in this place, this place. Grab some more people. So it took about 
seven to 10 days to come up with all of this stuff. And we've, we asked questions of people like Warnock, who was very much about signature verification and uh, the, um, you know, voters' rights, et cetera, as well as Stacey Abrams, of course. Uh So they weighed in on it and they said, okay, this looks like a process that now looks better. It's got more cure opportunities to it. And so now this process that's out there is setting the standard nationally for a cure and signature verification process. It is the, it is the best process I would imagine. Uh, by the way, again, I'm going to repeat what Stacey Abrams said when she weighed in on this actual referendum. The rarely used citizen referendum is designed for precisely this type of fraud issue. Stacey Abrams supports putting the training center to a vote. So my follow-up to that is, you know, obviously we've seen groups, progressive groups that are allied with Stacey Abrams and some of these other, and some other Democratic leaders say they feel betrayed, that they feel like this process has gone off the tracks and is is a betrayal to Georgia's uh, voting rights ethos. Um, Do you feel like those leaders you just mentioned... um, aren't standing with you at this moment too, uh, to, to try to sort of defray some of this criticism because th- you, oftentimes you're upfront and leading on this issue and other leading Democrats, um, you know, I know you have some, obviously a lot of support from city council, but other leading Democrats are not up, as upfront about you as this is about you as you are. Well, you know, what I'd say to that is think about how far we've removed from the, the central thesis of this whole thing is public safety. Like we literally started with defund the police. And then the argument was we don't need def- we, we, we need to defund the police. We don't need to spend money on police. We don't need to spend money on training. And then they, when people start saying, oh, wait a minute. Yes, we do. We had 171 homicides last year. And now we're at 95. Good Lord willing, we will stay that way. We have done a lot for policing and non-policing activities to bring down violent crime. People Without a public safety training facility. Go figure. Like, hey, easy now. We do need police and firefighters to be trained. But that was their central thesis. Then they moved to the environment. This is in the woods. And then you go out there and it's like, oh, it's only 85 acres. There's still huge amounts of trees. There's, you know, ponds and lakes and streams. And and the EPD approved this. You know, the Environmental Protection Department approved the, the site plan and the things that we're doing. And so they moved off of the environment. And then they moved on to, you know, a number of other issues. You know, who's, you know, uh, this is going to kill all black people. It's going to be, the, you know, Wait, this crew. That crew is going to be damaged in the process. They're going to militarize police. They're going to have Black Hawk helicopters. All those things. Every step of the way, we move further and further from the central thesis. And then we got to, oh, well, we're going to do this petition. They're not going to let us, you know, do a petition. And they, I, I didn't intercede. I didn't intrude. I didn't go out on the belt line and say, hey, no soliciting on the belt line. You know, that's not what you're allowed to do here. Um, all these public uh-huh. and private spaces that you're like, I can't go out and campaign mm-hmm. on, you know, at parks for vote for me as mayor that's illegal but you can do all this solicitation and loitering all those things okay fine then they go to signature match signature verification now we're way far away from public safety we're out here talking about signature verification then we 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 come up with a cure and all that kind of stuff now we're way down here on are we good democrats (laughs) are we are we um allowing you know uh, a legal basis to you know, do something about uh, petitions. We're way down here questioning our Democrat. You know, let me just be clear. Democrats like public safety too. 
All right. It's it, it and and if you don't think so, look at all the ones who lost that in um, you know, in, in congressional races that couldn't say the word, you know, public safety. So I think that, you know, I, I don't want to have any good Democrat on the you know wrong side of this issue or us at odds and all those things that people would like us to do. I, you know, I'm the guy that says I draw circles. I don't draw lines. I'm going to bring people together. And, you know, this has been a tough one to bring everybody together. He's absolutely right about that. And I don't think he did himself any favors on this podcast. And that's not even half of it. You'll get more of it in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. <sighs> all right going to do it. Thank you for listening to The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com or wherever you podcast. Full show notes, ronshowatl.com. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on America One Radio. We'll see you then.